असतो मद्गमय तमसो मोतिर्गमय मृत्युर्मा अमृत गमय ओ शाषाष्टिश्रीडस् फ्रॉम दि अनरियल टू द रियल लीडस् फ्रॉम डाकनेस अंटू लाइट लीडस् फ्रॉम डेथ टू इमोटैलिटी ओम पीस Peace, peace. Let me start with a story. This is a story about one of the greatest mathematicians who ever lived, Carl Friedrich Gauss. This goes back some two hundred and fifty years to a small town in Germany in those days, Brunswick. At that time, Gauss was just a nine-year-old boy. The story goes that um, in their classroom. all the boys were sit- seated in a mathematics class and their their teacher was very formidable school teacher was walking up and down with his cane threateningly and then the teacher gave them um li- an assignment he said to the students boys add up from 1 to 100 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 and so on up to 100 because the teacher wanted to take a nap and so he'll relax a little bit he knew this the kids will take a lot of time and struggle with it and they had slates and chalk in those days so you have to do that and submit your homework and he thought he will relax but the moment he had finished this little boy gauss he stood up and said here it is and the teacher was furious he advanced with his in the cane threateningly but he saw the uh, uh, answer was correct 5050 5050 and he was stunned how had this little boy managed in an instant to add up from 1 to 100 well what the little boy had done was of course discover the uh, shortcut that instead of adding 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and tediously till the end what he dis- what he saw immediately was that if you add the two pairs you know the first number and the last number in the series 1 and 100 you get 101 You add the second and the second last number, two and ninety-nine. You get one hundred and one. You add number three and ninety-eight. You get one hundred and one. And indeed, he saw immediately that each of those pairs, from the beginning and the end, if you add them, you keep getting one hundred and one. And then, how many pairs are there? Well, there are obviously fifty pairs because you're supposed to add from one to hundred. So fifty into one hundred and one, he got five zero five zero, five thousand and fifty. And immediately, he wrote it down. without any calculation and he showed it to the teacher we of course know that the um, formula we have been taught in school is n into n plus 1 by 2 so n is the number you want to add up to so 1 to 100 so you'd say 100 and n plus 1 is 100 plus 1 is 101 so if you multiply 100 and 101 and, uh, uh, and then divide by 2 you get uh, 5050 that's the formula it's a shortcut This is the art of the shortcut. Now, where did I? Uh, what am I referring to? Actually, it's a book which I was reading, uh, where by the uh, well-known mathematician from Oxford University, uh, Marcus du Satoy. This book is called "Thinking Better: The Art of the Shortcut in Life and in Math." In math and in life, the art of the shortcut in math and in life. And uh, this, uh, just by the way. 
this uh, gentleman, the author, Marcus Dusatoy. He's a professor of mathematics at Oxford University. He's a remarkable person. I met him um, at the Yoga Ashram, Shivananda Yoga Ashram in Bahamas. And he was sitting and intently listening to my talks on Aparokshanubhuti. And then we became good friends. He had very sharp and intelligent questions to ask about Advaita Vedanta. And later I visited him at his uh, home in London too. He recommended this new book of his. He didn't. Amazon did. So I bought the book. And uh, at the beginning of the book, this story is given when he starts the book. One interesting thing about uh, Marcus is that he's actually, in a certain sense, a successor to Richard Dawkins. You know, Richard Dawkins, uh, the evolutionary biologist who was, who is fiercely opposed to religion in all its forms. He's one of the militant atheists. So actually, he held this post, a British government post, uh, a position for the understanding, the advancing the public understanding of science. It's a post in Oxford University. So uh, Richard Dawkins was there earlier and now Marcus Dusatoy is in that post also, as well as being a mathematician at Oxford University. And he said that Richard Dawkins had a famously uh, combative approach to religion. And Marcus said that his approach is more conciliatory. He wants to go out and learn what can be learned, preserving the rigor of the scientific approach, the scientific temper, uh, still be open to uh, dialogue with religion, with um, different um, you know, religions and uh, metaphysics and spiritual traditions. Um, so, yes. But that's just by the way. When I was reading this story, immediately what struck me was, oh, Advaita Vedanta is the art of the shortcut in spiritual life. You know, one of the advantages, one of the things which attracts people to Advaita Vedanta is that uh, it seems, first of all, effortless. And uh, instantaneous, especially if you compare it with the way it has been said, you know, in all our scriptures, uh, spiritual life, where uh, it's a long journey, where you first strive for moral perfection uh, in, in the virtues, and then um, control of the senses and disciplined life, and then you develop devotion and meditate. Mind is flickering. It takes a long time to make, a, make the mind calm and concentrated. It's like, it is said, it's like trying to empty the ocean with a teaspoon. And they didn't say teaspoon in those days. They said with a blade of grass, trying to empty the ocean. So difficult. And then in a long journey, then you come to Vedanta, Shavana, Manana, Nididhyasana, you know, hearing and reasoning and contemplating on Vedantic truths. And finally, hopefully, someday become enlightened. And it is said to be a journey of many lifetimes. How about doing it in one lifetime? How about doing it, um, you know, here and now? Is it at all possible? Advaita Vedanta says that it is. Advaita Vedanta, in fact, is the um, shortcut, the art of the shortcut in spiritual life. So today, the subject is, how is Advaita Vedanta the art of the shortcut and uh, so do pay attention. A lot will be packed into the next few minutes. The key will be given to us uh, by Advaita Vedanta. The N into N plus 1 by 2 formula for spiritual life, enlightenment, which will save us this long journey, the tedious process of, you know, uh, like adding up from 1, 2, 3, 4, up to 100. Instead of doing that, how can we cut through? 
to the essence, cut through to awakening here and now. At the end of it, I will also say how it is not a shortcut. And there will be a little qualification at the end of it. But before that, let's see how Advaita Vedanta is the art of the shortcut in spiritual life. Um, I will give you the formula first. Just like n into n plus 1 by 2, there is this um, verse which I have selected. It's like the key to enlightenment, the key to non-dual knowledge and freedom. This verse is, was composed about 700 years ago by one of the greatest masters of um, Advaita Vedanta in India, um, Vidyarinya Swami. So he begins his masterpiece, Panchadashi. Panchadashi literally means 15 chapters on non-duality. So Panchadashi, 15 chapters on non-duality, in the first chapter, after the usual conventional salutations to Guru and to God, the first thing he says, he gives us the key. He goes straight to the point. Uh, as Americans say, cuts to the chase and gives us the key, the formula, the shortcut. What does he say? Shabda sparshadayo vedya vaichitrya jagare prithak tato vibhakta tat samvid Powerful verse. What does it mean? Sound and touch, etc. All kinds of knowables. They differ from each other. In our experience, in our waking experience, we hear, smell, taste, touch, all these things, and these experiences all differ from each other. But, other than these experiences is the consciousness which reveals them. And that is one and the same through all these experiences. That's all this verse says. But this is the key. What does it mean? Let's dwell a little bit on this. Whatever we do, we are conscious, we are aware. I'm using consciousness and awareness uh, synonymously for the Sanskrit word Chaitanyam. Vidyarani uses the word samvit. It all means the same thing. When we see, right now you're seeing, but you are aware. And when you hear my words, you are aware. When you think about what I am saying, you are aware. When we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, all of the activities of the five senses, there is consciousness. I am conscious. When I think, uh, when I feel happy, I'm aware, I'm conscious. When I feel sad, I'm conscious. When I uh, remember or try to remember, I'm conscious. It's a conscious experience of remembering something or failing to recall something. It's still a conscious experience. When there is sensory perception, there is a conscious experience. When sensory perception shuts down in sleep, um, you fall asleep and there are dreams is conscious perception it's not uh, perception of external world sensory versus, uh, perception is shut down but consciousness is there when um, I uh, feel emotions sad, angry desirous, loving I'm conscious all of them there's consciousness running in and through in the background of all experience in fact, our life is nothing but conscious experience. Think about it. 
anything that we call whatever part of life good bad ugly the best part of our life the most boring part of our lives the most meaningful part of our lives uh, all of them behind in the background always consciousness is there i'm not saying it should be there or i'm not saying it's a theory no it's a fact we must all notice this is the first thing we are invited to notice consciousness is there and it's not difficult to notice this not difficult to admit this it is true and we don't give pay much attention to it our attention is being drawn to this fact of ever present consciousness by vidyaranya swami now notice one thing vaichitryat vidyaranya swami says each of our experiences which constitutes our life is different from the other our life is a variety of experiences the experiences are all different from each other what i mean by that is out just now you are coming from outside it has started snowing outside you are having an experience coming through the street and walking down the street and there are snow flurries outside that's one kind of experience you had what it looked like what it felt like and then you have come into the vedanta society you are seeing another kind of thing and you are having it looks different it feels different different experience you taste a cup of uh, coffee and uh, taste a cup of tea different experience listen to two different singers different experience so a simple fact all experiences they are different from each other they vary v- variety it constitutes our experience of life now what vidyaranya is pointing out in the midst of this variety there is one thing common we all know what it is yes we are conscious and then vidyaranya points out a subtle fact in consciousness there is no variety experiences are many but the consciousness which lights up and reveals that experience there is no variety in that there is a uniform continuity in that consciousness what is experience here is a simple equation but very powerful consciousness plus object is experience i'll repeat consciousness plus object is experience and experience is our life cup of coffee what is the object cup of coffee the flavor the warmth of coffee those are objects the um, color of the coffee so one is a sensory perception one is a, a tactile perception one is taste uh, so gustatory uh, then olfactory these all these these kinds of different kinds of perceptions these are all different from each other these are objects and consciousness is not different consciousness which reveals all these different objects is the same consciousness consciousness plus different objects is equal to different experiences what was the first equation consciousness plus object is equal to experience consciousness plus changing objects different objects different experiences but consciousness is the same this is a subtle point but a very powerful point that vidyaranya shows us there is no change in consciousness as such the change is in the object leading to change in our experience many types of objects many types of experiences changing objects changing experiences but not many types of consciousness consciousness is the same not changing consciousness consciousness is the same how do i how am i distinguishing consciousness and object someone might ask please precisely define what do you mean by consciousness what do you mean by object just look at our own experience 
anything that you can classify, very simple formula, anything that we can classify as this is an object. Look at our own experience. In our experience, when I say this hall, hall is an object. This person, person is an object. This cloth, cloth is an object. This hand, hand is an object. This breath, breath is an object. This thought, this feeling, this memory, this emotion. Memory, emotion, feeling, thought, objects. Because this, this, this. Whatever you can classify as this. Whatever is you can designate as this idam in Sanskrit. That becomes an object. Object to what? To consciousness. Consciousness is not something that you can classify as this. You can never say this consciousness. Consciousness is that which illumines the this. As the philosopher Arindam Chakravarti put it, definition of object, an object is something that objects to my consciousness. Imagine consciousness as a field and then there's something which comes within our con conscious experience, an object. So it's object as if it is blocking, resisting your consciousness. It's like, imagine it, it's like light. In the vast darkness of space, from the sun's light is streaming out. It still looks dark. But moment a comet goes through that space, or a satellite, or a, you know, the moon travels through that space, it shines in light. The moon doesn't have its own light, the satellite doesn't have its own light, the comet doesn't have its own light, which means there was light already in space coming from the sun towards the earth. Now you have an object which reflects that light. Light sort of bounces of that object and then you get experience of seeing. What does the object do? What does the light do to the object? The light illumines the object. What does the object do for the light? The object manifests the already existing light. Similarly, in our conscious experience, what happens is consciousness is always there. Various objects come up. Form, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, emotion, memory, intellectual understanding. They all come up and they all sort of Consciousness sort of within quote, quote and unquote, illumines them, bounces of them, they, they, they resist consciousness and then you have experience. I hope this uh, example sort of makes sense. Uh, the objects are different, experiences are different, but consciousness is one and constant. This is the key, the shortcut, we'll see how to apply it. Uh, this consciousness is constant not only in all our living experiences throughout the day, but when we fall asleep and the sensory experiences shut down and the mind generates its own dreams. Those are also objects, subtle objects. They're objects and we call it dream. Consciousness continues. The waking world disappears. Even the waking person sort of disappears. But now there is the dream person and having a dream experience generated by the mind and their consciousness is the same. It continues uniformly, one and constant. Eka rupyat na vidyate, Vidyaranya says. There is no division in consciousness. Not only that, amazingly, when everything shuts down, no objects are present, then the absence of the objects is illumined by consciousness. No objects are there. 
So the absence of these objects, and that is deep sleep. Consciousness, the Advaita Vedanta claims, in deep sleep also consciousness continues. It is just the absence of sensory perception is revealed by the consciousness. The absence of uh, dreams is revealed by the consciousness. That's why deep sleep is not an absence of experience. It's an experience of absence. Absence of experience means the, there is nothing to be revealed. But the blankness, the non-activity of the mind... The absence of the objects, that's also revealed by consciousness. But it's a very different kind of experience. That's why for our usual, from our waking perspective, where we are using consciousness plus mind plus senses to engage with the world, from our perspective, deep sleep seems like nothing. Because all objects, there's an absence of the objects. But Anyway, consciousness continues. And this is the story of our whole day. Waking, dreaming, deep sleep. And this is the story of the next day also. This is the story of the next week also. The month and the year. Vidyaranya Swami gives one of the grandest verses in the Panchadashi. He says, Masabda Yuga Kalpeshu Gatagamyeshu Nekadha Nodeti Nastamityeka Samvedesha Swayam Prabham Very poetic. Stirring, sublime verse. What does it mean? Months pass. Years pass. Lifetimes pass. Ages. Yuga passes. Kalpa. Kalpa is an eon. Kalpa passes. What is an eon? Uh, that is, uh, I looked it up and, you know, there's an actual number. We normally say eon means a very long uh, period of time. But it's an astronomical unit of time. Um, Sir Roger Penrose uses Eon as approximately a billion years. He says it's the gap between successive Big Bangs. So that might be, it's a theoretical postulate, a billion years. Kalpa, the Hindus had even more extraordinarily long periods of time, not even a billion years. A Kalpa is calculated as 4.32 billion years, four times, more than four times an Eon. Kalpa will pass. Have come and many have passed. Billions of years have passed. Universes have passed. And universes more will come. Billions of years more are to come. But this consciousness, Samvit, Chaitanyam, Naudeti Nastameti, it neither rises nor sets. The example is of the sun, sunrise, sunset. There is no increase or decrease. There is no arising of consciousness or setting of consciousness. Billions of years may pass. Lifetimes and universes may pass. Lifetimes of individual beings, lifetimes of planets and stars, lifetimes of the entire universe may pass. Consciousness reveals all of that. Swayam Prabha, the self-illumined, luminous, self-luminous consciousness, which reveals itself and everything else also. This consciousness... I'm using this, but you can't say this consciousness. Consciousness makes everything a this. Consciousness um, is revealing our waking experience, dream experiences, and the deep sleep absence of objects. That's also a kind of experience. This constant consciousness is not limited to the waking, to the dream, or to the deep sleep. It is rather the fourth. Not waker, dreamer, deep sleeper, but fourth, turiyam. The fourth. 
this is called the for the whole of the mandukya upanishad goes to explaining this one consciousness which illumines all these passing objects and gives us various experiences experience of external world through senses experience of dream world through the mind experience of blankness through deep sleep and then cycles goes on cycling the experiences cycle consciousness remains constant what are we we are this consciousness we are not this body not this mind we are consciousness bodies and minds come and go here a distinction between vritti gyan and swarupa gyan is useful so immediately if you think about it it's a very grand idea but the immediate doubts will come to resolve these doubts let me give you an additional support the distinction between um, vritti gyan and swarupa gyan what is what does it mean swarupa gyan means consciousness literally it means the essence of knowledge the core of knowledge the essence of knowledge vritti gyan means knowledge knowledge which uses the mind that i'll show you the difference consciousness shining it illumines the mind and the mind being lit up by consciousness now can use the sense organs like the eyes and now it can see things through the ears it can hear what happens is when the when the a form comes somebody is walking past or you see a red rose that information is transmitted through the eyes to the mind it's like throwing a pebble into a lake it sets of ripples in the mind so the lake of the mind breaks into ripples that, that those ripples are called vritti vritti means modification change so in the lake of the mind compare the mind to a lake in the lake of the mind there is a change there is a modification a vritti about what about the rose outside which has come information has come through the sense organ the eyes there is a modification about the rose vritti and consciousness is shining on the mind is reflected in the mind that consciousness reflected in the mind lights up that vritti that vritti is about what rose and that lit up illumined vritti gives us the experience i am seeing a rose the same equation consciousness plus object is equal to experience consciousness plus object but in the object what is included mind the vritti and then that that has come through the rose sense organs so this is the whole process of vritti gyana one word knowledge knowledge what kind of knowledge perceptual knowledge through the eyes through the ears sound i am speaking these sounds are entering through your ears and being go- going to the mind by a very subtle and complex process some of which science has discovered some of the vital components of which are still not known it goes to the mind but it's our experience in the mind a vritti is set up and that vritti is about the words which are coming and then consciousness illumines that vritti and we have an experience consciousness plus object is equal to experience consciousness plus sound vritti or word vritti is experience of words of language you hear and these vrittis can be internal not just from the sense organs a memory may come up from the subconscious and set up a vritti that memory vritti will be illumined by consciousness and gives us an experience of remembering emotions some vrittis are about emotions likes dislikes pleasant unpleasant happy sad those vrittis are illumined by consciousness and you have an experience of an emotion consciousness plus object is equal to experience
This is called knowledge. Now, consciousness itself is Swarupa Jnana, the essence of knowledge, without which no knowledge is possible. But knowledge requires consciousness plus mind, plus the vritti in the mind, plus the um, sense organs or whatever sets up that vritti. Why am I making this distinction? So the distinction between consciousness and knowledge should be known. Consciousness is ever present. Knowledge may not be ever present. We all are conscious, but we all have different kinds of knowledge. Depending on what vrittis you have set up, you may have read one book and set up different vrittis in your mind and the consciousness will have revealed that vritti in the mind and you have that knowledge of that book. I may have read another book and set up different vrittis in my mind and consciousness, same consciousness, will reveal uh, the vritti in my mind about that book and I have knowledge of that book. But I don't have your knowledge, you don't have my knowledge. So, Swarupa Jnana, Vritti Jnana, these two um, one must distinguish and keep it in, uh, in our understanding. Vritti Jnana continuously changes. Vritti Jnana is about different things. Swarupa Jnana does not change. It is one and the same all the time. Swarupa Jnana is consciousness, is our self, our real self. It is the Atman, it is Brahman, uh, it is the Sakshi, whatever you call it, the witness consciousness. This is Swarupa Jnana. And this distinction between Swarupa Jnana and Vritti Jnana can explain many things. But we will see. Now, a few more observations about consciousness. Notice, consciousness is ever the same. No matter what our experience is, consciousness is not uh, colored by our experiences. So consciousness is constant uh, and ever the same. Bad thought does not make bad vritti. Now we can use the term vritti. Bad vritti does not make consciousness bad. A good vritti or a nice thought does not make consciousness nice. Just like light can fall upon um, you know, objects of worship in the temple or the mud and the snow and slush outside, light does not become muddy or light does not become a pure object of worship. Light is neutral. It is ever pure. It illumines whatever is present. Consciousness illumines the vritti but it's not affected by the quality of the vritti. Con consciousness is said to be samam, same. Whatever the experience of life, consciousness is the same. Consciousness is uh, avishaya, a very important thing to understand. It is not a this. Consciousness plus this gives you an experience. Consciousness plus object gives you an experience. But consciousness itself is not an object. That is why if you look for consciousness, you will never find it. Because consciousness is the one which is looking. You can Because when we look for something, we are trying to find it as an object. Consciousness is not an object. That's what leads to so much confusion in consciousness studies today. This very idea that consciousness is not an object. Therefore, consciousness is not even the mind. Consciousness is not the sensory experience, is not even the mental experience. They are objects. They are subtle objects, but they are, they are objects. This distinction between consciousness and objects, even mind and senses, this distinction is not understood in modern consciousness studies. Um, that's why it leads to a lot of confusion. Uh, I've seen some of the papers which are discussing uh, many aspects of consciousness and mind, they lump it all together. Mind, consciousness is all one thing. No, they're different. And the difference is clear 
whatever can be designated as this is an object, is the mind, is the sense, is the external world, but not consciousness. Consciousness is avishaya, and this has to be held on to very carefully. It can never be objectified. Our tendency is to objectify everything. And therefore we do one of, one of two mistakes. One mistake is, take some subtle activity of the mind as consciousness. Or, we go to the other extreme and saying consciousness does not exist. I can't find it. The great philosopher, David Hume, he says, when I examine myself, inner self within, looking for my own self, he doesn't say consciousness, I'm looking for the inner self. I don't find anything. I find thoughts, feelings, emotions, memories, a constant stream. Where is this self? Uh, by which, what were you calling consciousness? The answer would be to David Hume, would be that avishaya, it's not an object. It is that which is illumining all the objects. That does not make it unreal. It's like saying, eyes are seeing everything, but eyes cannot see the eyes, therefore eyes don't exist. Nonsense. But the very fact that you are able to see all these things means the eyes exist. But the eyes are not something that is seen by the eyes. You can see a reflection of the eyes. You can see a picture of the eyes. The eyes directly cannot see themselves. Consciousness does not objectify it itself. Drigeva natu drishyate. First verse of Drigdrishya Viveka. The consciousness does not make itself an object. It does not, the drashta does not become the drishya. The seer does not become the seen ever. That is the real consciousness. That is the pure subject. So, avishaya, this is one, one thing we must notice about consciousness. The great Kashmiri philosopher and saint Abhinava Gupta, before starting his commentaries, you know, uh, very complex system of teachings in Shiva Sutras, Vijnana Bhairava, so many techniques of meditation. Vijnana Bhairava has 112 dharanas, different techniques of meditation. Abhinava Gupta makes an observation. He says, None of these practices, none of these techniques can reveal Shiva. They can reveal Shiva as much as a ghatta, a pot can reveal Sahasradhiriti, the sun of a thousand million rays which is shining forth. Can a pot reveal the sun? Impossible. The pot cannot reveal itself or anything else, let alone the sun. And the sun is blazing forth with it's a thousand rays, million rays. And it can reveal the pot and the universe and it reveals itself also. Trying to realize I am pure consciousness or Shiva consciousness in Kashmiri Shaivism by meditation or by something is like a pot trying to reveal the sun. And then Abhinavagupta makes the comment, if you have truly understood this, immediately you'll, be, you'll see that you are one with Shiva consciousness. Just understand how no technique can objectify consciousness. You have understood what consciousness is. The moment you understand what is consciousness, you are that. Brahma with Brahmaiva Bhavati. Brahma Veda, Brahmaiva Bhavati. The knower of Brahman is Brahman. Because you are that. You have just clarified the confusion about not being Brahman. About not being Shiva. That confusion is removed. You know that you are Shiva. So Avishaya is a very important, uh, is uh, the doorway to en enlightenment. Straight doorway. If you contemplate that. And Swaprakasha. And this consciousness is self-revealing. And it reveals everything else. Nothing can reveal consciousness. And nothing can reveal anything else. Uh, 
Nothing in this world can reveal anything else. Um, the table cannot reveal the clock. The clock cannot reveal um, the even clock cannot reveal time. Also, it's two consciousness alone that the table is revealed and the clock is revealed and the clock can reveal time. That means conscious experience is possible only because of consciousness. That's all it means. Nothing in this world of objects can no object can know itself or anything else. Only consciousness uh, can know itself by itself and. Uh, reveal everything else but here no is used in two different senses know everything in the sense of knowledge vritti jnana and know itself only in the sense of swaprakasha self luminosity um the upanishads kata upanishad says tameva bhantam anubhati sarvam tasya bhasa sarvam idam vibhati that shining everything else shines by its light everything here is revealed consciousness shining everything else shines by consciousness the light of consciousness everything here is revealed consciousness shining what else shines mind shines the sense organs shine and through the mind and the sense organs all the objects are revealed consciousness is consciousness may be shining but what about me you are consciousness you shining everything else shines by your light everything here is revealed we sing in the arati um at the end namo namo prabhu so ujala ridikandara that which shines in the heart of uh, of uh, all of us and that reveals everything that which dispels the darkness of the heart um manovachanaika aadhar that which reveals mind and um speech that is consciousness and vakya manatita that which Uh, mind and speech cannot reveal because consciousness is not an object and yet mind and speech are revealed and they act and they work because of the presence of consciousness this consciousness you are you already are this not that you have to become this you already are this consciousness why don't we see it that example of the movie screen is very nice that you know i've told this story earlier I heard it from a monk actually in uh, Haridwar. He said that imagine there is a boy who has not seen a film, and his father takes him to a city to see a film, and they enter the cinema hall, and the movie has already started. And just like our life, we are thrown into life already. Life has started. We don't see it from the beginning. And then you enter the cinema hall, and the movie has started, and the boy is watching the movie. The father has explained to the boy that there is a screen on which the pictures and sound will pictures will be there. There will be sound, and you can see this is a movie. After some time, the boy asks. At first, the boy is engrossed in the movie, just like us. We are engrossed in life. Then we ask the big questions: What is the meaning of all this? Now, what is happening here? What is the purpose of it? What is reality here? The boy asks, "Where is the screen?" And the father whispers, "There." So, um, is is it that character, that uh, hero of this movie? That's the screen. No, no, no. Behind, behind the hero. So behind the hero, there's the road and the vehicle. Uh, behind that, oh, there is the sky. The sky is the screen. No, 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 no. It, it is um, uh, all of it. Oh, so sky and the vehicle and the road and the cop and the robber, all of them are the screen. No, no, no. Apart from that. You just remove all of that. That's the screen. So, so nothing is the screen. How will the father explain it to the son? Because everywhere he points, there is a picture. Everywhere you point, there is vritti jnana. How to distinguish the screen from the picture? 
how to distinguish the background consciousness from the vritti jnana vritti jnana means the knowledge we are getting through senses and thinking and all of that consciousness is common to all it is on the screen of consciousness that all of this plays that all of these activities are going on vedanta says by this knowledge by this instruction try to see and know that you are consciousness illumining all the activities of senses all the activities of the mind all vritti jnana and also illumining the absence of the activities of the senses mind absence of vritti jnana you are that consciousness to help you there are yoga practices which switch off the movie which quieten and calm and silence the mind so that the background consciousness becomes evident that i am awareness in the presence of the mind in the absence of the mind that's the yogic approach the vedantic approach is discernment while watching the movie you should be aware that there is consciousness this is the effortless path why effortless effortless instantaneous that's why it is the shortcut why effortless how much effort does suppose there is in the in the movie there is a, a hero driving a car the hero and the car how much effort do they have to make to become the screen no effort what is the distance between the hero and the car and the screen no distance at all uh-huh. let me put it in more easy terms there are waves in the water how much effort do the waves have to become water no effort at all they are water how much effort do do the clay pots have to put in to become clay the gold ornaments to become gold no effort at all they are already gold they are already clay then what is the problem the problem is not the non recognition gold ornament things i am this ornament i am a necklace no your gold itself that it does not know now this not knowing has to be converted into knowing this ignorance about its real nature has to be converted into knowledge about its real nature and that's all the moment of recognition instantaneously the gold ornament knows i mean if it it could know it would know i am gold or actually the meaning is that i know i am awareness i am consciousness chaitanyam samvit this is who i am effortlessly how long does it take instantaneous it's like you are sitting here in the vedanta society if i um ask you uh, please go to to broadway um, so how long will it take it will take you some time a few minutes it will take you some effort especially in the snow outside some effort some time but if i ask you sit where you are sitting how long will it take you it's instantaneous you are already there how much effort do you have to put to sit where you are sitting nothing no extra effort in fact if you put some effort you will go away from where you are sitting you just have to recognize of course it's simple i know that i'm sitting here but it may not be suppose you are looking for the vedanta society you come here and you say um how do i get to the vedanta society and say so you are already there say so, no i'm not convinced then in that case walk out of the door walk around the block walk down uh, the 70th street come back to the 71st walk down up the 71st street 34 west 71st street get into the door you have arrived at vedanta society all sadhana spiritual practices like that 
and the meditation the japa the devotional practices and the vedantic instructions and the reasoning and the vedantic non dual meditation all of it is walking around up and down the 70th street 71st street coming back to vedanta society you have now arrived at vedanta you're already there to begin with you're already there so effortlessly that one can uh, and instantaneously you are there what is the result of this what is the result of um of this instantaneous effortless realization that i am consciousness what is the point of it what good does it do the first thing that it does is you notice that the um it is changeless consciousness being changeless you notice it is not subject to the six the what is called the six fold vikaras you know uh, we say in life we are subject to um, birth and coming they're coming into being and birth and then um, growth and aging you know maturation aging decay and death uh, jayate asti vardhate विपरिणमते अपक्षीयते नश्यति चाइल्ड वॉज नॉट एग्जिस्टिंग नाउ इज कंसीव्ड कम्स इन टू एग्जिस्टेंस देन इट इज बॉर्न फ्रॉम द मदर्स वूम एंड देन इट ग्रोज इन द चाइल्ड इट बिकम्स टीन एजर दिस ग्रोथ एंड देन इट मेच्योर्स इन टू अ मिडल एजेड पर्सन एंड देन बिकम्स एन ओल्ड पर्सन एंड देन डाइज दीज आर द कंडीशन ऑफ द बॉडी द कॉल सिक्स फोल्ड चेंजेस एनी लिविंग बॉडी अंडर गोज दीज कंडीशन दीज चेंजेस consciousness does not the ashtavakra st- states very inspiring soaring verse it says mai ananta maham bhodau vishvavichi swabhavata udetu vastamayatu name vriddhi navakshati in me the infinite endless ocean of consciousness the waves of this universe arise and subside let the waves arise let them subside i neither gain anything nor do i lose anything when there are waves in the ocean does the ocean increase no it looks like that swelling up it doesn't increase same amount of water is there when the waves subside has the ocean become less no same amount of water is there similarly when in my life there is birth have i gained something no the appearance of the body the birth of the body does not add anything to me the consciousness it's an experience in consciousness when the body ages and decays have i lost something am i losing something that's also an experience in consciousness consciousness is not the aging or decaying when the mind is delighted with success and praise and the uh, you know, things have gone well have i become consciousness has become better happier more successful when there is frustration and failure and unhappiness has consciousness become less successful has consciousness diminished no no deti na astameti na vriddhi nakshaya no no gain and no loss for consciousness it's ever the same it illumines the activities the health and sickness of the body the youth and age of the body it illumines it reveals the happiness and misery in the mind you shining you reveal the happiness and the misery in the mind you are not happy or miserable you are not old or young
this is something to worth considering that uh, the changes are in the body are in the mind not in consciousness one sadhu in uttarakhand put it nicely jo jahan ka cheez hai mahatma ji wahi rakhiye sounds like very common sense advice put whatever everything you put in its own place don't displace things put each thing in its own place what does it mean disease where does it belong sickness pain body note that it belongs to the body it does not belong to you the consciousness misery unhappiness loneliness anxiety where does it belong in the mind that's where it is it's not in you the consciousness you illuminate it remember you consciousness are the same throughout if anxiety or fear or unhappiness were in consciousness then it would be same throughout but it comes and goes so it belongs to the ever changing mind which is illumined by consciousness keep things where they belong what a great freedom it is this old age belongs to the body not to me and this sickness belongs to the body not to me it's not escapism because sickness in the body it has to be treated yeah. restlessness in the mind it has to be treated it, you need meditation you need peace of mind it can be treated you are not restless consciousness is never restless it's ever the same navriddhi nakshaya you neither gain nor lose anything in life from um, from the perspective of you as consciousness as chaitanyam chaitanyam consciousness does not want anything does not need anything it is purnam and there is hunger does consciousness need a cookie how ridiculous to say that it is the body the prana where hunger and thirst are generated and yes give it food give it water one object needs another object give that object to this object doesn't matter you consciousness you don't need a cookie how ridiculous does consciousness need success or failure no it illumines both success and failure neutrally the mind may want something does consciousness benefit from praise is it diminished by um, uh, criticism no it equally reveals praise and criticism it is perfect and complete it does not need praise from anybody in this world it is the very essence of the universe it reveals everything so consciousness is always complete and perfect ask yourself first distance yourself the body is an object every activity every characteristic of the body uh, old young healthy diseased uh, white brown black yellow um, obese skinny fit not fit all of them are objects in the body not you you are revealing it so you are in yourself not subject to the imperfections of the body you are not affected by imperfections of the mind or the senses you are purnam perfect from consciousness perspective perfect nothing is needed there is nothing in the world that can add to you the consciousness there is nothing in the world that can subtract from you the consciousness it seems jiddu krishnamurti who was here in new york he was asked once by his disciples give one teaching he said uh, i don't care what happens 
that's all i don't care what happens not in a dismissive way genuinely in a deep sense you also we also it's perfectly all right from the consciousness perspective you are perfect already joycelessly nothing can harm you there purnam consciousness is anantam infinite you become infinite by this knowledge you realize your infinitude what does infinitude mean deshakala vastu parichheda rahityam you are not limited in space you are not limited in time you are not limited by object what does that mean this is from taittiriya upanishad you the consciousness Uh, you are not limited in space we think we are limited beings in space there is a vast space here in this room i am in the corner of this room there is vast space and there is this room i am in one corner of this room and then this room is in one part of manhattan manhattan is one part of new york new york is one part of united states and united states is a small part of this globe and the globe is just like a speck of dust in this uh, entire galaxy and in the entire universe it is vanishingly non-existent this vast space i'm so tiny but from a vedantic perspective uh, from uh, see yourself as consciousness isn't space appearing in you the consciousness space appears to you in you as nothing but you you are all pervading i have given this example earlier when one vedanta teacher in in haridwar he said um, tum sarvavyapi ho you are you consciousness are all pervading when somebody in the back of the hall objected swami how can i be all pervading i am here and not even there how can i be all pervading main to yahan hu wahan bhi nahi hu i am here not there how can i be all pervading and the swami replied aha but ha yahan aur wahan ये दोनों ही क्या तुम में नहीं है लुक एट इन परस्पेक्टिव कॉन्शियसनेस दिस आइडिया हियर एंड यू आर देयर आई एम नॉट देयर ऑल ऑफ दिस इज अपियरिंग इन यू कॉन्शियसनेस इज इंट इट ट्रू इट्स ओनली फ्रॉम बॉडी परस्पेक्टिव दैट डेफिनेटली आई एम लोकेटेड इन स्पेस एंड टाइनी बट बॉडी स्पेस डिफरेंस हियर देयर दे आर ऑल अपियरिंग इन कॉन्शियसनेस सपोज इन अ ड्रीम in a dream you don't remember that you don't think that you are dreaming but in a dream you are walking down um cent, uh, you know um, central park west avenue and on one side is uh, all these tall magnificent buildings on the other side is beautiful central park right now it's snowy and uh, <laughs> but it's there it's so vast you are you are walking down that that but it seems i am here there is the park and there are there is the eldorado towers and there is the vedanta society there is the dakota but when you wake up you'll realize all of that space including what you saw as the park and the dakota the eldorado towers vedanta society and central park west all of that was within you the dreaming mind was it not true the here and the there here i am there is the dakota all of it was in your dreaming mind space appears in you the awareness therefore you are all pervading because you pervade space time appears in you the awareness we said awareness we earlier said constant uh, consciousness is constant is neither born nor does it die bodies are born and they die suppose somebody asks this question that no no wait a minute you're jump going too fast when the body dies when the body is born consciousness is born with the body the baby's brain and the when the old person dies the brain also dies consciousness also dies but the problem there is you have already assumed too much 
You have assumed that the brain is producing consciousness and is that, has that been explained? When science explains it, when it shows, demonstrates how conscious experience is produced by the brain, the causality is shown, not just correlation. Causality is shown, then I will take it seriously. Till that point, no. Is matter producing consciousness or is matter appearing as an object in consciousness? This is the question. If you say matter is producing consciousness, brain and nervous system is producing this consciousness, materialist perspective, then two huge problems, huge questions you have to answer then. First question, is there at all matter apart from awareness? Is matter not an object in awareness? That's all the evidence we have got for matter. So the question of idealism, how do you prove that idealism is wrong? I mean philosophical idealism, subjective idealism. The second great problem will be, suppose matter exists, how matter produces consciousness? The hard problem of consciousness. It seems like a common sense today that brain is producing consciousness. Brain may be the gateway for consciousness, the instrument for consciousness, but here again the distinction between vritti jnana and swarupa jnana is useful. Vritti jnana is definitely connected to the mind and the brain. But Swarupa jnana is not. Swarupa jnana reveals the activities of the mind and the brain. Okay. So, even time is an appearance in consciousness. With respect to time, we say consciousness is constant and unchanging. Uh, time passes, bodies come and go, eons come and go, but consciousness is constant. But actually, even that is not true. It's not that there is the passage of time and consciousness per persists like a very long-lived thing. No. Rather, time itself uh, is an appearance in consciousness. So consciousness is not limited by space. It's not limited by time. And then, consciousness is not limited by objects. What does it mean? Here is a very deep and crucial understanding. So far, we have been making a very great distinction between consciousness and its objects. What did we say? Consciousness plus object is experience, as if object is something different from consciousness. Now is the time to collapse objects back into consciousness. Objects appear to you, the consciousness, but if you think they are appearing in consciousness. Why do, I mean, why do I say in? Objects appear to consciousness. It's not difficult to understand. That's how we understand life. And things are appearing to me. But that's because as the body, I can clearly say the world is appearing to me because I have a boundary. This is the, my boundary. And outside this are objects which are existing apart from me and they're appearing to me. If I think of myself as this complex living being with a little bit of consciousness and then I interact with a world of living and non-living things, then clearly objects are outside and they are coming to me from outside. But as we have seen, even the body is appearing to consciousness, even mind is appearing to consciousness. And from consciousness perspective, just like in a dream, all things appear in the dream. Although they seem to be outside you, ultimately you realize they are all in me, the dreaming mind. They are all in consciousness. What is the argument? The argument is, if you look at it from a perspective of consciousness, if you say object is outside consciousness and appearing to consciousness from outside, where is the boundary between consciousness and object? I'm quoting Swami Brahmananda. You might be surprised. Show me the boundary between Brahman and the world. Where is the boundary between me and consciousness? It's a very clear, Swami. Here, you are aware and this 
thing is the outside so awareness and this uh, table there's a boundary but where is the boundary if there is a boundary and i'm aware of a table outside the boundary then awareness is a consciousness in both sides of the boundary i'm aware of the boundary and the object outside the boundary then the, the awareness is extending beyond the boundary both the boundary and the object are in consciousness you see what i mean if you think in that way you will see there is no boundary which excludes the object outside consciousness it all objects to consciousness appear in consciousness and they are nothing other than consciousness that which appears in consciousness must be pervaded by consciousness an appearance when something appears in um, uh, a movie movie screen example doesn't the screen pervade the appearance is it that the screen is there and the appearance is here no the screen the appearance the movie must be in the screen everything every character in the movie every object in the movie every act in the movie must be pervaded by the screen your face in the mirror whatever you see reflections in the mirror when you go to the mirror it's not that the reflections are something other than the mirror you touch everything in the reflection you touch glass the mirror only is there the mirror pervades all reflections um the movie screen pervades everything in the movie which you see the mind the dreaming mind pervades every object in the person and thing in the dream similarly consciousness pervades every appearance in consciousness every bit of it is nothing but you the consciousness in sanskrit this is called chidvivarta chinmaya chidvivarta means appearance of consciousness consciousness appears chinmaya means pervaded by consciousness there's a funny story about this in uttarkashi i heard this from monks there there are debates between non-dualists and dualists the dualists they claim that the world is real non-dualists they say brahma satyam jagat mithya brahman is real the world is an appearance and like a dream it's appearing in consciousness so once a great pandit came he was a dualist and a realist and in a debate he was debating with the non-dualists and he was saying world is false what nonsense it's a mountainous area look at this hill in front this mountain in front so huge and solid it is false how ridiculous so the non-dualist could not uh, you know withstand that fierce attack so there was a great non-dualist master a monk who was not interested in debating but since they were losing the debate they ran to the uh, the hut in which the monk lived and um, you know what they had already invited the monk for the debate and the monk uh, is a true story actually the monk had refused to go and uh, uh, he said that i have a fever i can't go and the moment he said i have a fever he actually got a fever <laughs> and he lay down under a blanket and he said i can't go but they were losing the debate so these others they rushed to the monk and said you are our only hope you can reply to this dualist um and the monk had a had a brahmacharya disciple who was very devoted and the disciple said let me see what i can do he went to the master who was lying under the blanket with actually a fever and uh, the disciple said you have to go they have come they need your help you have to defeat the dualist who is saying the world is real and the monk said i can't go i have a fever and the brahmachari said you have no fever and the monk said yeah i have no fever no you have no fever 
oh, I have no fever. Immediately the fever went away. And then he got up and then he went to the debate. And the, the pundit, the scholar was saying, world is false? How ridiculous. Look at this mountain. Is it false? Is it mithya? So solid and huge. The monk just said, Pahad pehle ya aap pehle? In Hindi, it means, is the mountain first? Is it the mountain prior to you? Is the mountain first or you are first? What comes first? You are the mountain. And that pundit, because he was sharp, highly versed in debate, he got up. Others did not understand what was going on. He got up, went to the monk, bowed down and without a second word he left. He walked away. He accepted defeat. What does it mean? A mountain, huge, solid. Is it real? It seems to be so real. Is it a real, huge, solid mountain? Is that an accurate description? Or let me give you one more description. It is a huge, solid, real mountain which I am experiencing, I am seeing. Is, it not a, is that not an accurate description? What's an accurate description? It's a mountain by itself. No, no, no. It's a mountain that you are reporting. This is a more complete description. It's a mountain in your awareness. It's a mountain in your knowledge. You have a vritti jnana of a mountain. And that vritti jnana is, is nothing else other than an appearance in you, the consciousness, the swarupa jnana. It is mithya. All those other steps, we need to not know Vedanta to understand. The pandit, the scholar was of course highly knowledgeable and he really realized he has uh, lost the debate. So he walked away. <laughs> yes. So there is no second entity apart from you, the consciousness, though it appears as everything is in consciousness, pervaded by you, the consciousness. Chidvivarta, chinmaya. Appearance in consciousness, pervaded by consciousness. But wait a minute. What is this pervader-pervaded relationship? It is, is it that there is like a room and you light an incense and the incense pervades the room. The room exists, incense exists separately. Or a dark room, when you switch on the light, light pervades the room. Is it like that? There is a physical universe and consciousness pervades the universe. That is like Sankhya. No, it's not like that. It is like wave and water. It's like clay, and pot and clay. It's like ornament and gold. There is no wave apart from the water. Not that the wave exists and water comes and pervades it. It is the water alone. There is no pot apart from the clay. It's not that pot is there and clay comes and fills it somehow. It is the clay alone. Pot is a name and a form and a function. Nama Rupa Vyavahara. Wave is a name and a form and a function. Ornament is a name, a form, a function. Nama Rupa Vyavahara. The reality is always the clay or the gold or water. In this case, consciousness. Consciousness is the only reality. In Sanskrit, chin matram. Consciousness only. So, chidvivartam. The appearance of consciousness. What is the object? What is this objective universe? It's an appearance of consciousness. Chin mayam. All appearances pervaded through and through by consciousness. Third, chin matram. They are nothing but consciousness. Although appearing as object. Although appearing as the other. Now we have collapsed the world of objects back into consciousness. Same experience is continuing. But you realize it is nothing. This entire universe is nothing but consciousness. It's nothing but you. Let's put it this way. The universe is nothing. You are. Like Swami Vivekananda, he wrote to Mary Hale, Mary Hale wrote in that poem, You have taught that all is God. 
Swami Vivekananda said, I have not taught that all is God. What have I taught? That God only is, all is not. Objects are not. Consciousness only is. But these objects are miraculous appearance, magical appearance or maik appearance in consciousness. One Tibetan Buddhist who puts it this way, in the fundamental basic space of awareness, Samsara and Nirvana are positive existences. This is an unlimited space of awareness. What we say in Sanskrit called Chidakasha. There is Samsara and there is freedom from Samsara, Nirvana. They are positive appearances. One. Second statement. In the unlimited basic space of awareness, Samsara and Nirvana never existed. The first teaching is, you are in samsara, nirvana is possible. Now follow this method and attain nirvana. The method of uh, meditation, devotion, moral practices, so many things, lifetime after lifetime through samsara, work to nirvana. Yes, correct. But when you do so, you realize there is only that unlimited Space, basic space of awareness. Samsara and Nirvana were never there. Not that it was there and then it was transcended. It was never there in the past. It is not there. It will never be there. Only that unlimited basic space of awareness is there. Uh, this is the shortcut. It is possible here and now. Alright. Now, <clears throat> so this is, um, there is no limitation in object. Chaitanyam, consciousness, desha kala vastu paricheda shunya. It is not limited in space, therefore it is all pervading. It's not limited in time, therefore it is eternal. It's not limited by object. There is no second object positive reality apart from consciousness. Therefore it is non-dual. Chaitanyam, consciousness is non-dual. You are non-dual. You are all pervading, eternal and non-dual. This perfection is our real nature. This is the meaning of Aham Brahmasmi. I am Brahman. I am the vast. Already. It just has to be recognized. Then the this result is there. You are immortal. You are the one reality of this universe. You are perfectly at peace. This realization of one's infinitude, Anantam, this leads to Anandam. Joy, bliss. Anandam is not a particular feeling. It is that unlimited reservoir of, of reservoir of bliss, which is our very nature. The infinitude of the Atman, of consciousness, is itself Anandam. Um, the Chandogya Upanishad says, Yo vai bhuma tat sukham nalpe sukham asti. There is no true happiness in the limited. I am an enjoyer and this is the, enjoy, the cookie which I am enjoying. No true happiness there. The cookie and every other object is already within me, is an appearance in me. I alone am existing as limitless awareness from eternity to eternity. Even eternity is not there. That is the Bhuma. Bhuma means vast. In the vast alone is happiness. In the vast alone is permanent, is unshakable peace. So this is called Anandam. You realize this. When the mind realizes this, you, our, it's real nature. It's the very nature of the mind. Just as every object is nothing but consciousness, mind is also nothing but consciousness. When it realizes this, the mind is actually suffused with the radiance of happiness. That's an actual feeling. So, the enlightened one will always be happy, definitely. 
will be peaceful, happy and others will also share in this peace. You realize this nature of, of ours, which is not subject to change, not subject to the sixfold changes, which is perfect, does not need anything at all from anything at all. It is anantam, unlimited in time, space and object. It is anandam, it is bliss itself. There is one term for this in the Mandukya Upanishad. It's called Shantam. Shantam, it's, shantam means peace. Not that you are peaceful. You are peace itself. Consciousness is peace itself. All that is peace and not peace, rest and restlessness, they appear and disappear in the peace called consciousness. You are Shantam. And when you realize this, not only your life of this particular individual in this body and mind, in this time and space, will be filled with that radiance of eternity. Aurobindo calls it, uh, the world drowned in the white radiance of an immortal gaze. What is the immortal gaze? Chaitanyam, consciousness. And what is it experienced as? A white radiance in the uh, world drowned in the immortal gaze. Gaze, he says, immortal glare <laughs> of of uh, an Im- uh, of the white radiance of an immortal glare. Whole universe is suffused by this because it's in you. This is called shantam. Shortcut available to us right now, right here. But then I said I will end with saying why it is not a shortcut because this shortcut comes with like all the good things. Terms and conditions apply, little tiny letters, it's difficult to read. It will be written, terms and conditions apply. What are terms and conditions? If you feel that it's there but somehow I'm not able to access it, or I, have, I don't understand what's going on, or I understand it but it's all just understanding, it is not changing my life, then all the sadhana which was there, we need a peaceful mind to grasp this. So meditation, regular meditation is needed. To have meditation, a peaceful mind, a pure mind is needed. Therefore, devotion to the Lord, fill the mind with, suffuse it with bhakti to Saguna Brahman, Ishwara, Bhagavan. And for devotion and meditation, ethical and moral life is needed. And the highest form of morality is unselfishness, altruism, karma yoga. Karma yoga is needed, bhakti yoga is needed, and dhyana yoga or raja yoga, they are all they are not sufficient to give you enlightenment. But often they are necessary conditions. Necessary condition, sufficient condition. Sufficient condition, Advaitic realization. But uh, necessary condition often is the preparation of the mind, uh, of the instrument. Ultimately, see, enlightenment is a vritti jnana. Brahmakara vritti, vritti jnana. And vritti jnana depends on the mind. So that arising of the flash of enlightenment it depends upon preparation you are brahman but being brahman you don't need meditation devotion karma yoga no there's no what does pure consciousness need but never give up meditation never give up devotion to god never give up uh, altruistic action or karma yoga that in that sense shortcut yes art of the shortcut yes but qualified by the need for sadhana I pray to Sri Ramakrishna, I pray to Masharada and Swami Vivekananda to bless us that we may experience this in this very lifetime. In meditation, today early in the morning I was thinking, what will happen to the mind which is full of that uh, consciousness, I the consciousness, am free of all the modifications of birth, death, disease. Uh, 
I, the consciousness, am Purnam. I need nothing from this world. I, the consciousness, am infinite. And there's no one object, one person, one entity in this universe different from me. I appear as everything. I am bliss itself, Anandam. And I am Shantam. If a mind is full, a clear, blazing, sun-like realization is there in the mind, what will it be like? What will such a life be like? And then my eyes fell upon these pictures. Look at that face and expression. Sri Ramakrishna, Masharada, Swami Vivekananda. These minds are suffused with that white radiance of eternity. The Holy Mother says, Masharada says, such a hard life. She says, My child, I don't know what is sorrow. And Sri Ramakrishna established a picture of uh, bliss, a jar full of bliss in my heart. Vivekananda, Sri Ramakrishna, Masha are the perfect examples of a mind overflowing with this realization. May they bless us with this realization and its results, the phalam, the result of that. May we attain this bliss and peace in this very life itself. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ramakrishna Rupanamastur